Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. Hebrews chapter 2 may be one of the deepest chapters in the entire Bible, yet it's not often studied and perhaps even less understood. We'll see this chapter opened in a tremendous way in today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. And Francis Ball has joined us again today to fellowship from the Life Study of Hebrews. Francis, it's very good to have you here again to add your portion to this marvelous study of Hebrews. It's really good to get into the Life Study of Hebrews. Francis, normally at this point I'd ask you to give a short introduction to the message, but today we're going to break form a little bit and get that introduction directly from Witness Lee's own sharing from July of 1975. Now we come to message eight. Some of the terms, or all the terms, I would say, may be familiar to all. Incarnation, crucifixion, Resurrection, glorification, and exaltation. I believe you all know these five terms, big terms. But my burden is to show you in no other chapter, no other portion of the Holy Word that has put all these five things together. In some of the chapters, you can see a part of Christ's crucifixion. In some of the chapters, you could see Christ's resurrection. In some portions, you could see his glorification, his exaltation, and so forth. But in no portion so sharp, you can see all these main items. Incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection, glorification, and exaltation. Not only so, these five major points of what Christ has passed through are presented in this chapter in a very particular way. Not in the way as the four gospels did. Not in the way as the Acts did. Not in the way as all the other epistles did. This chapter presented these five things in a very, very strange way. Francis, in his introduction, Witness Lee pointed out that no other chapter in the entire divine revelation includes all five of these major items related to Christ. Give us some of the details about this marvelous chapter. Well, I will certainly do what I can because this is a marvelous book. The book of Hebrews is not that commonly known among many, many Christians. Of course, I have to admit, I never noticed before that all these five steps of the process God went through are so clearly brought out in this chapter. Actually, this chapter is the fulfillment of the prophecies in two of the Psalms. In Psalm 8, 
There is the importance of man in God's creation, and that relates to his incarnation, the incarnation of Christ, that is, God becoming a man. And Psalm 22 is a very marvelous prophecy of the crucifixion and the resurrection and even the exaltation and glorification of Christ. In this chapter in Hebrews, that is chapter 2, we see how Christ partook of blood and flesh, that since the children are partakers of blood and flesh, he also in like manner partook of the same. Also in verses 8 and 9, there is the reference to Psalm 8 when it says concerning man that God has subjected all things under his feet. This also applies to Christ's incarnation. But because of the fall, it was necessary that God himself become a man and go through the suffering of death and be crowned with glory and honor. So in incarnation, he partook of human nature And in crucifixion, he suffered death for everything by which he destroyed the devil. In resurrection, he brought forth many sons of God, his brothers, to form the church, which is spoken of in verses 10 through 12. So this chapter is very, very rich in these particular items. In verses 10 through 12, it says, For it was fitting for him, that is Christ, for whom are all things and through whom are all things, in leading many sons into glory, to make the author of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies, that's Christ, and those who are being sanctified, that's us, are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will declare your name, that is the Father's name, to my brothers. In the midst of the church, I will sing hymns of praise to you, that is, to the Father. So in glorification and in exaltation, Christ was crowned with glory and honor. All these steps are the qualifications that qualify him to be our high priest. It brings us out in the final verses of this chapter, where it says, Hence, he should be made like his brothers in all things, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God. So Christ was incarnated, went through crucifixion, and was brought through in resurrection, and glorified and exalted in ascension, so that he can accomplish everything that's needed for man to be one with him. Francis, this truly is one of the marvelous, marvelous chapters in the whole Bible. I was particularly touched as you were recapping there. He is our Savior, He is our God, and the object of our worship, but in another sense, He is our brother, bringing us to the Father in worship and praise. This is too marvelous. Yes, that's really marvelous, isn't it? It sure is. Let's go back to Witness Lee for more of our life study. I was born in Christianity. I was sent into the Christian school. I never studied any other school but Christian schools. From my youth, I heard the pastors, I heard the preachers, ministers, and so forth, always telling us Christ was born just because God loved us and sent him to come to this evil earth to save us 
from hell and to die for our sins on the cross. I would say, all this is right. But eventually, I got to see it's too shallow. In China, now I'm not being something to boast for China, but anyhow, among the Chinese, different ranks of people. The high rank learned people, they would never take this kind of preaching. This is, this is too mean, too low, no purpose, no goal. This is all to get too mean. The book to the Hebrews is not a shallow book. It's a deep book. It's not a low book. It's a high book. It's a book on the highest bracket. This book doesn't say because we all got fallen, we became sinful, we had sins, so Christ came to save us sinners. It doesn't say this. It says what? It says all the children are partakers of blood and flesh. So he, as the firstborn among all the children, had also to share in our nature. This thought is deeper. Don't you believe? This thought is higher. Our Savior, the Son of God, even we could say, our God. One day, he became in nature exactly as we are. We are a human. He became a human. We have blood and flesh. He shares in this. And he shared. He did it. Isn't this wonderful? Amen. We do not have a Savior who is different in nature from us. No. Our God, our Savior, became exactly the same as we are in nature. Let me testify to you. A good number of learned scholars in China God convinced just by this one thought. Just by this one thought. They started to think this is surely suitable. When we, the young people in China, 50 years ago, were raised up, that was the Lord doing to answer the prayers of so many dear missionaries. They were there, they couldn't do anything. They prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed until 19... 20-something. The Lord did something marvelous. Before that time, only coolies, you know, those low-caste people got into Christianity. I shouldn't say many of them got saved. They just got into Christianity, a kind of Western religion. Until 1920, the Lord did something marvelous in the junior college, high school, universities, throughout China, north to south. I was saved at that time. Marvelous. The young college students, thoughtful. They got saved. They got saved. When we got saved, 
And after a certain period, we started preaching. Praise him. In a hair way. In a very hair way. Because we, the young people, did know the Chinese philosophical thought. We know how to convince them. We preach the hair gospel. Not in our human thought, but according to the divine philosophy. Forgive me to use this word. God is more, more than philosophical. What does it mean to say philosophical? That simply means thoughtful. God is not so simple, so low. No, he is deep, he is thoughtful, he is meaningful, he is purposeful. Our God is a God of purpose. Who could be more philosophical than he in China, we started this kind of hair treating. You know what happened? My medical doctors, nurses, professors, all kind of learned people, eventually our work got into the hospitals, universities, and so forth. Since my youth, my work was mainly with the university students. Francis, I enjoyed this section very much. We had a personal testimony of Witness Lee regarding the spread of the gospel in China in the early part of this century. He drew a distinction, Francis, between the low gospel and a higher gospel. Tell us what this is about. Isn't there only one gospel? Yes, in God's view, surely there's only one gospel. However, this gospel is much more inclusive and much more extensive than is often presented to people. The gospel of Christ is much more than just a matter of forgiveness of sins and the concept of going to heaven. The gospel includes the entire process of God's eternal purpose. His purpose is to impart himself and dispense himself into man by his becoming a man and being among men for 33 and a half years, living on this earth a perfect human life, then dying an efficacious death on the cross. And through that, he dealt with sin. He dealt with sins. He dealt with the old creation. He even dealt with Satan. He dealt with the world. And he certainly dealt with uh, all the things that were invented by Satan and the ordinances that divide believers from one another. So the gospel is really quite far-reaching. Most people think of the gospel as getting forgiveness for their sins so they'll be all right, so they can go to heaven and enjoy a pleasant place for eternity. But that is a very low concept and very self-centered. God, our God, is a God of purpose with a goal. His goal is to put himself into his creature man, to be one with man, and to bring man into such a union with him that they will be a one glorious New Jerusalem for eternity. So I hope that from this chapter we could see that there's much more to the gospel than just a person being forgiven so he could go happily on his way. No, this gospel is according to God's eternal purpose and for reaching his goal of being one with man. Francis, we have another portion that's going to open up more of this higher gospel. Let's rejoin Witness Lee. One day, I was preaching in one of the top universities. Some here from China, you all know Tsinghua in the old capital, 
That was the Taft University. 1936, I was invited to preach to the student in that university. One night, in the professor's home, a smart student who was born in a Christian family, he asked me a question. He said he couldn't believe the matter of resurrection. According to his scientific way, he can't believe resurrection. He said, Mr. Lee, please explain to me. I was born in a Christian family. I was taught with the Christian faith and so forth. But now I am here in the highest school learning the sciences. I cannot believe that resurrection in a superstitious way. You explain to me. The Lord was with me. The professor's resting at many windows, looking out of the window. There was the field growing wheat. I said, look at the field. Something green. Something growing there. Couldn't you see a resurrection? When you sow the seed into the soil, the seed dies there. And eventually, huh, something comes out, growing. Tell me, what's this? This is resurrection. Everywhere you can see resurrection. Every day you can see resurrection. A little egg you put under a big chicken. <laughs> After a little while with the warmth, uh-huh, the shell breaks. Doesn't that mean death? And then some believing comes out. Tell me, isn't this resurrection? The nurse said, you shouldn't consider this is my philosophical mind. My mind is not this smart. This is the teaching of the Bible. He said, where? I said, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul tells us this is resurrection. The seed dies and grows. This is resurrection. I tell you, that young man that night got saved. No other lower preaching can convince the Southwell University student in China. This is the only way. Praise the Lord. This is resurrection to bring forth what? Many brothers. One grain of wheat remains one grain until it dies. It falls into the earth and dies there and grows up. Many grains will be produced. The Lord Jesus was that one grain of wheat. And we all are the many grains brought forth through the death and resurrection of that one grain. Here we are. This is resurrection. Verses 11 and 12 in this part of the word. Tell us clearly how Christ brought forth many brothers. In resurrection, he not only brought forth many brothers, he came to the brothers and declared the Father's name. This is again a deep thing. What is the Father's name? The Father's name is just a Father. And the Father means what? It means the source of life. 
the source of being. Where you get your life? From your father. What is your source of your life? Your father is the source of your life. He came back to his brothers and declared these to Peter, John, James, and so forth. From that day, Peter got to know he had the divine nature. So, in his second epistle, Second Peter, he told people, we all got the divine nature. In resurrection, after he declared the Father's name to the brothers, he praised the Father in the church to declare the Father's name to the brothers is one thing. But that time, the church was not in being yet. After his declaration of the Father's name, right away, his brothers became the church. In that night, when he came to them, in that night, when they were together, I tell you, that was the first church meeting. The first church meeting was not on the day of Pentecost. No, that was enlarged. The first church meeting was on the day of resurrection. And he came not only to declare the Father's name to his brothers, but also to praise the Father in the church. Now, in glorification, he entered into glory, crowned with glory and honor. He entered into glory, crowned with glory and honor. Again, you have to go to that note on glory and honor. Then you could see what is this. He entered into glory and crowned with this. Then, in exaltation, after being crowned, God gave him the dominion over all things, like what God did with Adam. Adam lost that, but he gained back. The dominion God gave to the first man was lost by Adam. Now, the same dominion came back to the second man. Could you see this? Now, let me check with you. Are you in the first man or in the second man? You all have to see this. We were born in the first man. But hallelujah, we are reborn in the second man. Francis, once again, uh, we have a picture that is too marvelous for words. In resurrection, the firstborn not only brings forth many sons to be his brothers, but he declares the Father's name to them. And then further, in the midst of the brothers, he sings praises to the Father. Francis, here's the first meeting of the church, attended by the firstborn son with his many brothers. This is not a low and shallow gospel, is it? No, it certainly is not shallow, and neither is it low or superficial. This gospel really shows us God's intention, God's purpose, and God's goal. 
The Lord Jesus came in the form of man. He went to the cross. He died on the cross. He was resurrected. And in that resurrection, he became the firstborn son of God. And this firstborn son of God, Jesus Christ, in his resurrection, is able to bring forth many brothers. Verse 12 quotes the firstborn son as saying to his many brothers, he said, I will declare your name, that is the father's name, to my brothers. Christ is not only our savior, not only our God, not only our Lord and our king and our priest, he's also our brother, our big brother. He said, I will declare your name to my brothers and in the midst of the church, I will sing hymns of praise to you. How would the Lord Jesus, as the firstborn Son of God, be singing in the midst of the church? We can't see him. We can't hear him. But this verse says, In the midst of the church I will sing hymns of praise to the Father. That's marvelous. He is even singing in our midst to the Father. How does he do this? He sings in our singing because he is in us. When we sing, he is singing in our singing. Yes, this gospel brings us into such a marvelous organic union with Christ that we are actually one spirit with him. You mentioned about uh, the first meeting of the church. I think for years I thought that was on the day of Pentecost. But uh, Brother Lee pointed out in this message, and we have to see it, it's in the Word, that he met with his disciples the night of his resurrection. When he came back that day in resurrection, he joined them in that room where they were meeting. And there he breathed into them the breath of life, and they corporately all shared in the same life by breathing in the same wonderful spirit when he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And that was the first meeting of the church in this age. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Francis, thank you very much for your fellowship. I am just ecstatic at these life studies of Hebrews. I'm glad we have many, many more ahead of us, and you'll be back for a number of those. Please come back very soon. I'd like to do that. Thank you. Call our toll-free number, and that is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 543-3788. You can also request it when you write to us at Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814 or when you send us email at radio at lsm.org. We have more of the Life Study of Hebrews in our next broadcast with Witness Lee. I hope you'll be with us then. I'm Chris Wilde, and thank you for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs consist of excerpts from Witness Lee's spoken ministry, along with our discussion and comments, and all focusing on God's heart's desire that we would enjoy Christ as the divine life for man. There are more than 1,700 programs like this one available online free of charge that you can download, stream live, or add to your podcast subscription. Just visit our website, lsmradio.com. That's lsmradio.com. You can also reach us by email, radio at lsm.org.
www.ocmoney.org. Thanks for listening today.